and gentlemen, welcome to the next episode of Vinyl, Vinyl Stallions. And we have a wonderful guest today. We have Mr. Mike Avdi, the VP of Talent Buying and Ticketing at the Prime Social Group. And way back before that, him and I went to grade school together here in Cleveland, Ohio. Mikey, how yes. are we doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for the intro. So excited to be here and chat with you guys. JJ, so good to see you. Adam as well. It's been a long time. <laughs> Absolutely. Good to see you again. Yes. So, go Bulldogs, baby. That's where we'll start this thing. Bulldogs, always. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so as I said, yeah, Mike grew up in the Cleveland area. Him and I have kicked it for a long time and stayed in touch. But dude, so you went to Ohio State and you were getting involved in kind of just being a part of the music. Like there are two people that come to mind when I think of my grade school. It's yourself being involved in music and then John Fanna being a sports broadcaster oh, yeah. of the sort. But you two, I just felt like were no matter what destined to kind of be in those two things. And like you've really worked your like way up there. So kind of tell us first off how you got involved in the prime social group and everything that came with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, everything kind of started back in college. Uh, I had a, a friend, actually, my little brother, my younger brothers had a friend whose dad was buddies with the OAR tour manager. And that's kind of how I got my start and everything um, was working for him for four years throughout college, um, learning about the touring, you know, touring industry, doing some hotel logistics, um, kind of working just from from home as a part-time gig and then got to go on the road with them for a little bit in 2015 which was a ton of fun um but that's kind of what introduced me to like being you know behind the scenes putting together shows putting together events um and then it led me to getting involved with the concert programming board at ohio state so um got involved there in the concerts committee um ended up booking you know big shows our senior year so we had kesha and the struts at the spring show and then we had oh, ray nice. shremmer and asap ferg at the fall show so oh hell some, yeah those are big as real well. good ones there <laughs> where would those yeah, take place fun. at i remember hearing about those shows where is it on like a big grass area so it used to be and that was before like a few years beforehand it used to always take place like on the um, south oval on campus there and then the one year uh big sean was the fall concert and it kind of just got super super crowded and honestly a little bit dangerous with just a yeah. bunch of people coming in from like non-osu students True. um so the university kind of shut that down a little bit <laughs> unfortunately so we had to find some alternatives uh we did some shows at the shot and scene center like the arena indoors but then we also went and kind of built our own little space out in the parking lot of the shoe in one of the like northern parking lots right. just to kind of get like an outdoor atmosphere going it's again. innovative so baby it's there not being used yeah <laughs> Exactly. We had, to, we had to look for different venues. So um, it was actually through OUAB, which is the programming board that I met um, the previous like concerts director who introduced me to one of the founders of Prime Social Group um, during my senior year. Um, so I got involved with the Number Fest in Athens, which is what one of their main, you know, their first kind of festival that started in the in uh, breakaway business um, back, you know, they were doing those shows from early 2000s and partnered up you know in 2011 and then took it to you know this big festival and that's kind of how i got my start with time social group and then just continued on from there okay 
dude yeah no i mean i i went to you those number festivals were crazy but you guys had like kendrick at one <laughs> point like it was like like there were some crazy names um even early yeah, on. yeah so the founder uh dominic petrosi he started number fest like way back in the day and then partnered ended up partnering with prime um oh. to kind of like take it to the next level i think it was like early 2000s i want to say um and that's when you know some of the bigger acts started kind of coming in and it started being you know a ticketed event and all that so definitely some some fun years there yeah i'm sure you know too <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 i actually just visited there uh last weekend for the first time in a long time Ooh. i made it out safely i'm here talking so that's all that matters unscathed maybe a little <laughs> scathed i don't know <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll uh say halfway there but um and yeah re really quick mikey just for yeah. the people like spruce and i know but not everyone in the audience knows what exactly does prime social do yeah so uh we're a full scale concert and festival events promotions and production companies so you know there are obviously different companies out there that do what we do um live nation and aeg probably being you know the two biggest in the country and around the world as well um but you know we we produce live events um doing less of the concerts nowadays um and focusing more on the festival space but um, we have relationships with all the major agencies, so we, you know, book all of our talent in-house. Um, we source all of our production vendors, our staging vendors, you know, all of the site ops equipment, security. We, you know, work with the local municipalities and local kind of stadium crews, um, arena crews, and any other, you know, venue that we're going into um, just to basically put together an event from the ground up. So, you know, it could be a parking lot in um ohio next to the soccer stadium or the speedway track down in in charlotte or you know a grassy football field up in or a baseball field up in uh grand rapids michigan but we kind of go in bring all the talent together sell the tickets um just, you know full scale just live events and, and festivals and so i was looking at your website as well i mean it even said you guys like had some artists like what exactly does that entail like are they signed under the prime social group as well like are you guys managing them yeah there's yeah there's a there's a, a management company as well that started over the past few years um and they currently manage gashi uh night tales and moonlander um and in the past have managed uh kid quill and emoji i think are some previous clients as well but um gashi obviously being you know the biggest there you know, super big kind of pop, um, started, started off in hip hop and is more in the pop lane now, big artist. Um, but that's, uh, another side of the business as well that it has expanded to in the past couple of years. It's a one-stop shop. Cool. <laughs> exactly. It's beautiful. <laughs> Everything you need. <laughs> Absolutely. And so for the people there are out there as well. So the prime social group puts on the breakaway festival, which is yes. a very big one. And it started in Columbus. Mm -hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong but and then now you guys are up to like what are you up to five city or or five states at this point you're covering yeah five five breakaways this year so it'll be uh started in Columbus Ohio in 2013 um and actually had a it was a little bit ahead of its time I think the the first year was a little a little rougher I actually went to it when I was at Ohio State as a freshman um and you know didn't do as hot as they would have liked the first year, but it came back in 2016 with the Chance the Rapper headline and Young Thug, R.L. Grime, Dylan Francis, kind of a nice, you know, really good lineup nice. back. Um, and then from there, it's just kind of snowballed in Columbus, expanded to Grand Rapids, Michigan in 2017, and Charlotte, North Carolina as well. 
Um, had a couple years prior to the pandemic down in, in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and then this year, you know, kind of post pandemic coming out of everything, we're uh, expanding into Kansas City, um, Missouri, which is the first year for that one. And then also the Bay Area out in California. And I messaged you like this is I feel like how we started talking the past couple of weeks, but I was like, dude, that I think it was a Kansas City <laughs> was just like kick ass. I was like, holy shit! Like, I mean, thank you, chain smokers, and a whole just list of like list. But yeah, so that's dude, that's wild and and crazy that you guys have expanded like this single festival. Like, I don't know, I just I don't know. There's like it's usually just like one festival in my mind mm -hmm. in like one city and then they'll like change the name or something but i like the idea of keeping it the breakaway festival and there are five different locations you have all these different opportunities to go see the lineups change here and there but i mean the chain smokers are rolling for a whole lot of them that you've released so far yeah exactly and thank you it's um it's it's kind of a cool concept because we we like to just bring kind of the ethos of breakaway you know having you know getting away from your day-to-day -day, you know whatever you're whatever you're doing your job your your struggles your you know, whatever's going on in your life, you can come and just have a great time for a couple of days, see some, some really big acts in some of these markets where, you know, there's not a major festival, right? Like Columbus doesn't have another major, major music festival. Um, you know, Grand Rapids, Michigan, you could argue Electric Forest is close to there, but it's not like in the city, right? So you can literally yeah. grab an Uber 10, 10 minutes from your house and go see some of these huge, huge acts that might not, you know, be there otherwise. That's kind of what we you know, what we love to do and expand to some other markets too, that, you know, the same kind of thing. It's strategic because I have been bitching for the past like two or three years <laughs> that Cleveland is only festival that I know of. That's like in Cleveland is that bright winter festival, February outside. I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> like I just uh, like put it in the summer. Come on. But yeah, so, I know, I know, but you guys it's, are doing uh, it right. Yeah, yeah, you know, and we're, you know, always, always seeking new opportunities as well. But Cleveland, Cleveland's music scenes, it's getting there. It, it continues to grow. There's obviously a lot of good shows to come through, you know, Nautica and House of Blues and Blossom and all that. We're, we're singing uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard tomorrow at the Agora. No way. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Agora too. They go to Kemba Live the following day on Saturday. Nice. Who are you seeing at Kemba? No, no, we're not going. I'm just saying King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard. Oh, they go to Kemba the following got day. Got it, got it. Kemba's a nice money, though. Yeah, it is. I've seen a lot of good shows there. Um, I've never been outside. I, like, I'm, I've only been on the inside. Or I, Outside's fun. It's a nice, like, kind of, like, smaller pavilion style, like, where it's, uh, yeah, the stage actually flips directly around um, oh, cool. back there. But, yeah, it's a good venue. Nice for some summer shows noise and so your so your role has obviously like changed a little bit because you started out as like a booking coordinator correct yes so you so would you actually just like be searching out like little artists making those phone calls trying to connect like was that your role so it was a little bit more of just kind of like learning the ropes um i would say so um one of the company's co-founders you know is still very heavily involved in the talent buying process. He has a lot of the relationships with um, some of the agents that we work with on a day-to-day -day basis. So when I started at Prime Social, I was um, kind of working under their current, you know, booking manager uh, or booking director, whatever you want to call it. Um, just kind of learning the ropes of, okay, this is, you know, what a, a typical artist deal looks like. This is, you know, the typical type of fee we would pay them. These are all the different things that could be contained in the deal. 
you know, this is how you book a show and kind of liaise between the venue and the promoter, which would be us and the artist and kind of just how all that back and forth communication works and the process of booking and the process of settling a show and, and, you know, who gets paid out and kind of what all that looks like. And that's uh, basically where I learned all the ropes and kind of got involved um, on a part-time basis with Prime Social Group. Um, And then there was a unique opportunity later that year where the marketing and ticketing director took another role and left the company. So I was able to step in um, and kind of dive into ticketing and learn everything about ticketing and admission and, and, you know, um, access control and gate operations that I could for, you know, 2017 through 2019. That's kind of where I got my site, you know, festival ops uh, experience in as well. Do you get like nervous before your events? Because dude, I just feel like that is a lot. Like there's so much more that goes into <laughs> just like people are just like ticketing. Oh, okay. So you control just the thing of tickets, but there's so much more involved in like, I don't know. Can you go into that a little bit more? Like what, like, yeah. 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 No, there's, there's definitely a lot to it. I, I used to, I used to get super nervous. Like when I was first started, cause I, w- I would essentially, you know, be the ticketing manager. So day to day, um, you know, make sure that all of our pricing that we set up with, uh, we work with, you know, different ticketing companies and we ha- are contracted with um, Frontgate Tickets, which is a major ticketing provider across the U.S. and they handle a lot of big festivals. Um, but, you know, day to day, you would be fulfilling, you know, complimentary ticket requests, making sure that our, our pricing was correct and that pricing changed, you know, during certain times because it was tiered in order to make, you know, the money coming in for the festival um, you know, making sure all the, the links were correct and all of the information on there was was correct and the whole entire checkout process flow for the attendee was giving all the correct information as well. So there's all these little details that kind of go into that that, you know, I never really thought about, but it's all a you know, pretty manual process because it can, it's all very customizable, you know, certain messaging here or there. Um, and then leading up to the festival, you know, we would also be running the operations on site. So we would have to um, coordinate, hire, and train our box office staff um, and kind of oversee the box office, making sure our hours posted were correct, um, making sure all, all of our equipment arrived on time and, and we were able to, you know, fulfill all of our customer orders correctly and, and train fans on how to come in. If they had questions about their order, we could help them get into the event. Um, you know, if there was a fraudulent ticket, you know, we could kind of work with them to explain the situation and kind of de-escalate. So there's a lot of customer service based, you know, things with that as well. Um, but I used to, I used to like have dreams and I'd wake up and like remember something in the middle of the night and like write it down <laughs> on my phone. I'd have like these dreams about work that it was, oh man, it was, I'm a little, little bit, a little bit better now. They still come, you know, when, once it gets to the festival season, but yeah. definitely some nerves, nerve wracking experiences. <laughs> I would imagine. I would imagine. Okay. So sort of going off that, I have like a, what comes first, the chicken or the egg type of question. Cause one of the things you just mentioned was like figuring out pricing. So Mm -hmm. I guess like just from a whole process standpoint, when you guys are saying like, okay, we're going to throw an event, does your director of booking sort of just be like, I'm just going to go seek the biggest names, like no matter what the price is, and that will sort of guide how you price it? Or do you sort of say like, okay, at this venue, like I think we could sell tickets for this amount and then your director of booking has to spend accordingly. Yeah, so 
the way that it works, I mean, it's, there's a lot of different things that go into it and it's especially different for, for each market that we go into, but we kind of take a holistic approach and take the entire festival budget, right? And we come up with, okay, these are all our costs that go into it. This is our target artist spend. So, you know, the target amount that we want to spend on the artist, because that's obviously the most variable, right? Certain artists mm-hmm. cost a lot more than others. Sometimes you might get an artist that's touring this year that you think could sell you the same amount of tickets for maybe, you know, two thirds of the cost of another artist. And they just happen to be available on this specific weekend, you know, and it works out that you're able to book them. You know, that's a big cost savings there um, that you might not get otherwise. Right. So there's a lot of things that go into Mm -hmm. on the artist side, but kind of having that artist budget and the overall festival budget, take that and and figure out a nice break even point. So say, Hey, we want to sell, want to break even at maybe 6,000 tickets per day, or maybe it's 8,000 tickets per day, which is you know a little bit higher um, and kind of take that and scale ticketing accordingly um, based on previous trends and previous years. So we'll look at the past years and say, typically, you know, in the month of May, we'll see this many sales, June, we'll see this many sales. Maybe we see, you know, 30% of all sales happen in that last month because people are, you know, late buying. Um, and we try to project kind of what our pricing strategy will look like um, and have those kind of price increases to make sure that we're hitting our revenue goals at the right times. Um, obviously, taking a look at other similarly priced shows in the market too, to make sure that we're not you know, overpricing ourselves or not undervaluing and devaluing the product as well. That's very cool. So it sounds like, you know, like a big part of it is like a little bit of financial modeling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's for a festival company, that would be a very, very tough thing to do. And, and something that, you know, we sort of had to kind of uh, figure out on our own when we started doing the breakaways. But, you know, now at this point, we have, you know, three, four years of data in some of these markets to where we're able to kind of model and, and see the trends on how fans are buying and, and, you know, make some educated guesses based on that. Very cool. Yeah, dude so something that you mentioned how you goes into it but (laughs) yeah (laughs) something that you mentioned earlier that i have to ask about Mm -hmm. is you said you toured with oar uh to get your start like 99.999 people can never say they like went on a tour like (laughs) how like how was that experience like what like like what was it like how long was it for yeah so the tour itself was a a few months kind of leading um late summer into fall so i was only able to be on the road for about four weeks for that tour about about half of it or maybe like a little less than half um, right before school started, because I had to get back to Ohio State for classes. <laughs> but it was uh, it was right at the end of the fall there, and I was um, essentially a production assistant for the tour manager. Um, not as much in actual like technical production, but more you know like a PA role where I was you know just a lot of assistant work. Um, basically, the first one off the bus every morning, meeting our promoter reps in each city, trying to figure out where the catering area was, where the the green rooms were so we kind of get those marked off for the different band members and make sure they knew where they were going um we take a look at you know make sure all the stuff that we kind of advanced was there um and ready to go and then throughout the day you know anything that the band needed there was usually like a runner in every city and i would be the kind of point person to tell the runner like hey we need these types of things i'll float you some cash you know kind of go make sure everything's reconciled at the end of the night um 
you know, work on all the guest list ads, make sure that, you know, all the, the special VIP folks were taken care of, um, set up the meet and greets so that all the fans would, you know, that paid for a meet and greet or had, you know, a complimentary meet and greet could come through and have a nice experience. Um, and then honestly, just make sure kind of be the last ones back on the bus at the end of the night, making sure everything got wrapped up properly and we were all good to go. So, you know, I was, you know, two, three shows in a row and you, you know, get six hours of sleep and you're on your feet yeah. all day. You're pretty exhausted by the time you get a day off. And you really just, I was really just in the hotel room on those days off, just like trying to process what had been going on and trying to catch up on everything else. Like a new city. I mean, it, it's the aspect of like just the cities for me. Like, I just feel like that's just free travel. Like no matter what, like you're still just experiencing yeah. it. Like, like, was there any cool city that you went through that you just like, I don't know, haven't been to again, or I don't know, wouldn't have thought was that cool. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing was like during the show days, we were really just, you know, at the venue from 7am to 2am most of the days. So, but it, I got to see some really cool venues. I will say I got to see, um, Meriwether Post Pavilion, which is in uh, Maryland, super cool amphitheater out there. Um, that was one of the tour stops. And then we got to go to what I, I don't, I think it's a new name now, but it was then the Blue Hills Bank Pavilion in Boston. It was like right on the, the water there. So that was super cool being outside. There was a really good uh, lobster lobster roll place next door. I remember that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <it started. laughs> uh, I know. Oh my um, gosh. Those are really cool. And then um those are like the two memorable that stick out to me you got to go to dino barbecue in syracuse on a day off which was a nice like day off activity to do um but it was mostly kind of like northeast um you know amphitheaters and kind of outdoor venues which was which was really fun and like oar dude like they're such a fun band i was listening to the craziest game of poker (laughs) like earlier today (laughs) yeah they're they're so good they're legends and they're just like the nicest people you could be out on the road with. and they're from like, columbus right yeah they yeah. met at osu okay yeah they got they got their start at osu like just you know blowing out frat parties just getting crazy amounts of people that come and then they sold out the newport on their own and yeah they just kind of blew up from there and i actually saw them at osu it would have been the year before you were there mike um but it was at the oh, yeah. the free concert in the fall so that would have been a fall of 2012 and mm-hmm. I, they put on a great show. Yeah. They're such a good, such a good live band. Like always just crush it. Have everyone, you know, everyone has a great time. All right. I want to move the conversation. You just mentioned live bands. I want to warp back <laughs> I th- to seventh grade, Mikey Avdi, me, Let's you, go. and shout out to Wald Avdi, um, Mike's dad. <laughs> knows like i just feel like he's a music guru but i remember oh, yes. going out to the lake erie captain stadium with you i'm so jealous oh, of seeing gosh, stone dude. temple pilots and i will never forget it was one of my first concerts and we were back in the like stands and there was a one of those little uh I don't know, concession stands and your dad was just like go you guys sneak behind it and go i'm staying back here and that was one of the craziest experiences ever it was insane i remember oh my gosh i was just like yeah we're having a good time but like look at all those people down there and then there was just like well we probably could just kind of like jump down there and run in and no one would find us right and yeah you're like yeah let's do it let's do it <laughs> so many people were doing it and then when you, I, when, I, when we got your dad's permission i was like all right <laughs> we just <laughs> that's one of my honestly few experiences in like an honest like mosh pit 
like people were just oh, yeah. getting, like like tossed left and right and like i didn't have the appreciation at the time for the stone temple pilots like looking back on it now i'm like holy shit i can say i've i saw them before uh he passed yeah, with, yeah scott with scott wyler yeah, yeah yeah oh my gosh rest is rest and rest his soul sounds like you boys got down somewhere in the vaseline <laughs> <laughs> heavily heavily in the vaseline <laughs> very heavily but yeah but dude yeah that that was a insane experience but like i don't know dude you just like i said it earlier how i was just like i feel like i knew you were going to be in music you just knew so much new music when it came out i remember you showing me like like zeppelin on a ride like i don't know we were driving back from cyo basketball or some shit and you yeah were just, like zeppelin was on you're like dude these guys are the best and i was like i've always heard of them i thought Led zeppelin was like a single person like when i first heard of them <laughs> oh dude yeah i mean i don't know i feel like my my dad was always turning me on to to music and then you know growing up i was like the classic rock guy right like and i you were one of the few people that i could talk to like you and like anthony Ertle. And, you know, cause you were a big Bruce Springsteen fan and you had all these other bands too that like, remember like Meatloaf is one that I was like, well, who's Meatloaf? And you're like, you got this song. Oh, I like, just showed Club Meatloaf. <laughs> Dude, I literally was just talking about Meatloaf. Yeah, like vividly, like I'm remembering like all these acts that I used to know, like you and like Ertl and like a couple other people were like the music guys back in the day. But um, yeah, it kind of just like turned into, it turned into something where I was like, hey, I, I you know, I really love live music specifically, and I, I love going to concerts, and I wanted to figure out, you know, how to be behind the scenes and how to be the one to kind of put those on and continue to create those experiences for others. That's just like what I wanted to do. That's awesome, man. Like you are, uh, that's freaking awesome that you are in it. Like, and, and so as you mentioned before, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like you're, yeah, your dad and honestly, both your parents, I saw your parents last year at uh, Dave Matthews band over at, in blossom when I was just walking by and they're like, nice. hey. I was like, of course <laughs> you're here. Let's fucking go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mom, uh, being the opera, the opera singer, yeah. and, uh, you know, she sang for a long time. Like That's right. she gave me the, the technical skills that I, I used to, you know, be able to play, play music a lot more than I do now, but you know, uh, it was kind of that combination that encouraged me and, and sparked me to continue that on to my professional life. Dude, hold yeah, on, let, let's back up there. Your mom was an opera. <laughs> Forgot about that. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, so uh, she, yeah, she, she still sings. She sings at mass all over, and she does like different um, events and things like that. She, she'll sing uh, in the Italian gardens for some concerts there in Cleveland on the east side and and she sang an opera a lot of different operas around cleveland as well um but you know she's very like you know technically trained and skilled and that that kind of passed along to me a little bit too when i was growing up i i took piano lessons and played you know I, jj i know you used to kind of go back and forth and sing and and all that kind of stuff too but you know i played bass for a little while and now i just like to kind of strum the guitar whenever i get some free time but um she was kind of the big reason that i i was able to perform at all and then my dad kind of got me into all the the 70s and 90s and 60s rock music that kind of like sparked everything dude it was Very the coolest cool. thing you and your cousin just uh jimmy eat world <laughs> out at the talent show yeah. you were like the first like not like my uncle playing in a cover band like seeing out where i was like holy shit i know him and he's fucking doing it <laughs> that was awesome i'll never forget that, was, that. it is 
Oh, dude, I'm glad. Like, he has a little, like, uh, the backing track, the little drum track he played. Yeah. We didn't have a drummer at the time. So, <laughs> yeah. just, like, guitar and drum track. And I was just up there singing. It's like, yeah, it's a good song. Let's do it. <laughs> dude, that's awesome. What was the name of your band back, uh, like, in high school? Like, weren't you in a band with, um, like, were you in a band with, like, yeah, like, with, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was myself, Zach Dubiaski. Um, that's what I was thinking of. You know, yeah, Doobie as well. Um, love Doobie. So sad that he's, that he's not with us anymore. Um, no, but him and then Tyler. Yeah, he, he was built for music. Um, and then Tyler Anderson was our drummer. Um, and then I'm sure you guys know all these guys too, but uh, Greg Blanc kind of helped us record the album and play a lot of like backing backing tracks on it. And he played a couple shows with us like near the end of high school too. So it was kind of like us three and then us four um we're part of the uh pluto reinstatement committee was the name <laughs> awesome. that's, that's awesome I, I, I knew it was pluto something pluto yeah we had to tell everyone we disbanded because pluto ended up being reinstated as a planet so we couldn't you know, the <laughs> purpose of the band was fulfilled Fucking <laughs> <laughs> awesome oh it's good times what do you uh what do you listen to nowadays? What do you catch yourself jamming out to? Yeah, I mean, it's it's all over the place, really. Like, I feel like I feel like back when we were in grade school and stuff, you know, like Spotify wasn't around, so all the music we would get, you know, would be like from your dad or my dad or like our parents, and we would kind of share it organically. But now it's it's crazy. Like once once all these streaming platforms came around, everything's at your fingertips, and I feel like everyone's music taste just exploded so far because you can get it all kinds of different things so mm -hmm. obviously i need to you know keep my ear to the ground in terms of electronic music and um because that's kind of the majority of of what we what we book as a company and we're always looking for the next up and comers but we're also you know expanding into um like just the general pop music realm as well because that fits really well with electronic and then you know historically we've been known to do some you know some throw some hip-hop in there um and kind of get that so for for work you know it's a lot of keeping up on that kind of stuff but um you know my, my personal tastes have evolved and, and i would i would say in general like my core is still probably like indie alternative rock music um newer stuff i've been listening to you know the, the uh new arcade fire albums really good and that's been on repeat obviously the new red hot chili peppers albums been yeah awesome um yeah, go chili. Super, super excited they're back with Fushanti. Um, been listening to the new Kendrick album, trying to figure out kind of what's going on there Dude, the past couple days. It's hard to decipher. <laughs> I know There's so I'm much. Like, it's some days I'm like, wow, this album's really good. Dude, oh, go I, I mean, I've only listened to it like we we're gonna do a review of it. We've talked about it, but we oh, nice. but I caved and listened to it, but and I, I listened to it all and then I was like, wait, I don't even know which one's my favorite on here right now. I have to like, I don't even remember any of these and I have to go back. <laughs> it's, it's much more like mellower than damn. And like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I enjoyed it a lot though. It was like, I flew by in a second. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's very, it's very interesting. It's some, some days I'm like, this is really good. Some days I'm like, I, I can't tell, you know what I mean? But I keep listening to it, like trying to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah those are some really good ones recently um there's some other good albums 
lots been coming out this year. Kurt Vile is one of my favorites. Like just, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him no, at all. Not, Kurt Vile. Not too much. No. Okay. So he's like, a he's from Philadelphia, but he's a, like a singer songwriter. He, uh, one of his big influences is Neil Young, but he just has this kind of like drawl of a voice and he just makes like mesmerizing, like kind of chill. Some would say like semi psychedelic indie guitar music. Like it's really good. It's, it's stuff that I can just put on in the background and then just kind of like puts me at ease, but it's also just really cool melodies and kind of keeps you hooked. Um, he had a new album come out a couple of weeks ago. So I'm like super into that right now too. And wait, what, what was his name one more time? I need to uh, Kurt Vile. All right. I'm getting involved. Kurt, I'm coming for you. <laughs> coming, <laughs> coming for you, Kurt. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, that's some new stuff for sure. And then, um, you know, I get, I get somewhat into like the heavier stuff too. Like Bring Me the Horizon. It's like a big favorite of mine over the past couple of years. They kind of like turned from their their metalcore days which i wasn't really like a big fan of but now it's like kind of reminds me of like lincoln park which they've said is one of their big big influences too so it's like super good like going to the gym or just like blasting it on the way you know somewhere with the windows down type music <laughs> yeah they just announced fall tour dates they did ah i'm i don't think they're coming anywhere like close enough to where i can go with like what i have going on this fall i'm super bummed like yeah. i see them they fan? do have a um a little bit one of my buddies is really into them and we mm-hmm. he like really wanted to go to the show up at pine knob in clarkston michigan it's like maybe mm-hmm. hour and a half from toledo um but yeah it is bad. on yeah the it, schedule wise it won't work out for either of us but yeah i would definitely see that band live for sure yeah yeah, well, yeah, yeah. What about live music? You got any live music outside of Breakaway that you're eyeballing for the rest of the year? Yeah. Um, right now, I have tickets to Tame Impala come to Columbus. Okay. Oh my. Later God. this month. Oh my God, I'm super excited for that one. Um, it's an outdoor show too, so it'll be really fun. Oh man, <laughs> where's it at? So it's actually at, it's at Kemba Live, but what they're doing is they're they call it I can't remember what they call it like their their festival event space or something but they really mm-hmm. they turn the parking lot behind it into just a bigger venue so it's like they, they build a stage out there um and they can sell you know at least a few more thousand tickets to kind of make make up for it and then more and they can target you know some bigger acts that might be like too big to to make the financials work in their in their uh, outdoor amphitheater venue damn damn i would love That'd to be, see them <laughs> yeah they're great um trying to think i don't know if i have a, a ton of other tickets purchased for this year i saw a good string of shows this spring i saw um courtney barnett war on drugs manchester orchestra um i think those are the big the big oh and then i want and saw the uh, alt j and portugal demand tour as well okay so you really are into the that like indie rock genre yeah my, my dad actually is too now he comes to all the shows with me still <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> i almost saw that alt j portugal the man tour when they were in pittsburgh because i was supposed to see john mayer that same day he got covid mm-hmm. so the show was canceled and my sister and i were just like all right portugal and 
um alt j are playing at the basketball arena for university of pittsburgh and we thought about it we didn't end up pulling the trigger but it was all good because we went to the casino and won a little money (laughs) never a bad day at the casino (laughs) Um, sometimes there are i was gonna say hi i'm mr jj russo and i got fucked (laughs) (laughs) what about you guys any any good shows coming up that you're going out to see so yeah we yes yeah yeah we're doing the giz one and then we're actually going to go to the yeah uh, sunny days festival over at nelson's ledges have you ever been there no yeah me neither it's like right out it's not exactly like 45 minutes an hour or so but Mm -hmm. uh it's pretty uh, close to youngstown yeah okay but one of uh the people we've had on here is rex larkman he's the drummer for tropodelic and so they're playing there and they said they weren't playing there for or playing around Cleveland for a long time. So we were like, all right, we're rolling to that then. So we have two this mm-hmm. tomorrow and then uh, Saturday as well. Um, we're seeing yeah. the Chili Peppers with the Strokes and Thundercat in August. Ah, uh, dude. In Detroit. I'm jealous of that one. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I, I'm like not mentally prepared. I just will like watch Chili Pepper videos of like them performing at like the jazz festival that they just did in New mm-hmm. Orleans. And I'm like, I can't not believe we're just going to be pit just... <laughs> Oh, you got pit too, dude. Oh, that's gonna be. Insane. We've had these tickets since like October. <laughs> and we, it feels free at this point. Yeah. the money's been spent a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, it's been spent. It's on last year's budget, right? Like... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but awesome. yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, a lot of Dave. We're going to Noblesville for the back-to-back show of Dave Matthews. Uh, end of June. Oh, sweet and blossom mm-hmm. um but i don't know there's a couple on my ball like flumes coming to nautica and i would Ooh, love yeah. to see flume um alicia mm-hmm. keys nautica yeah drew that's another there you one. Go. uh but uh, yeah <laughs> that's all i have right now club has a shit ton more nice uh, not that many more just like i guess more dave like i'm going to the dave clarkston michigan show Mm-hmm. and dave at blossom um there's a show in july that's got bare naked ladies gin blossoms and toad the wet sprocket in dayton oh, there's show. actually a closer show um in detroit it, well it's not detroit but it's i think sterling heights they have an amphitheater out there but i picked okay. the one at dayton because i don't know um if you've ever been there but it's called i think rose music center it's technically huber heights um yeah yeah i've heard of that i haven't been there it is one of the coolest outdoor venues it's very really? underrated because it's in dayton so like why would a lot of people know about it um <laughs> but it's so cool it's like way bigger than you would expect for a venue in dayton and it's like state of the art like it mm-hmm. had to have been constructed probably within like the last 10 to 20 years and i want to say it can hold like 10,000 people so it's decent size yeah no oh, it's cool i've seen a lot of advertisements they got a lot of like big shows coming through there but i haven't been off yeah i saw incubus there last year and that's what made me like really appreciate it nice great band yeah, they're coming to Blossom this summer too. Dude, there's you know, so I might many. have to get up to Blossom for a show or two. <laughs> Do it, man. There there's so many coming this summer. I was overwhelmed. 
But all I know is I think Tenacious like, D sold out. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Can't see your boy Jack Black. <laughs> it's like crazy. I think just after after COVID, like so many artists, and we found the same thing trying to book this year. There's this, It's so crowded. And the space is so crowded because everyone was, you know, people released records over that time, but it was, you couldn't tour on it. So a lot of the stuff that I remember listening to, like Stuck at Home in early 2020, you know, by the time, you know, late 2021 hit or even 22, it's like, that's like an old album in this day and age. And, and it's, it's hard to like tour off that unless you're a major, major band. So it's like a lot of acts kind of just missed the window or they waited and they, you know, so many albums are coming out this year and they're touring all at the same time. It's so crowded. Consumers just have so many choices. Yeah. You wouldn't know it by the ticket prices. <laughs> <laughs> you would know yeah, it by my wallet. Are, uh, <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, no one's uh, no one's charging less fees. The artists aren't at this point. <laughs> They're we'll making their money. Pay. I've never. Yep. We were talking about this last time. I like. I. I've never regretted going to a concert in my life. Would you say? Have, <laughs> have you ever regretted being like, "Why am I here"? I. I don't think so. I think I'm always like, I would rather be at a concert than just like go to a, a random, you know, the same bar they go to every weekend, right? Like, exactly. if I had to choose, exactly. Has some good live music, right? Mm-hmm. So, okay. This is one question we ask every guest since we're on the topic of live music. What yeah. is the most bizarre, strange, unique, however you want to say it, thing that you've seen at a concert? Ooh, good question. Um, it could be like from the band that's playing from somebody in the crowd like yourself even if it's like something from (laughs) your tour with oar that happened like behind the scenes like anything just strangest thing that you've seen at a show yeah um well the first thing that comes to mind i didn't actually see it but i was there uh was last year so I i was actually working for front gate tickets the ticketing provider that i mentioned um coming out of the pandemic so i worked for them for last july through uh december and i was at the welcome to rockville show down in daytona which is actually taking place this weekend this year are you guys familiar with that one i i've heard of it yeah but not too much okay it's a big show last year the headliners were um uh, who's there metallica did the black album oh wow Yeah, they had they had Leonard Skinner, they had Stained, they had uh, Slipknot, pretty big like like heavy metal and rock festival. Yeah, um, those are huge the, names. Yeah, and uh, so I was working in ticketing operations, so I was like mostly like around looking at the box offices and the gates, kind of around those areas. But later that night, we we were kind of just like decompressing, getting a drink at the hotel bar, and someone that was working the sh- like working from the the festival side of the show came in, and they were like did you guys hear about what happened on that brass against show earlier in the day? And we're like brass against, we were just talking about them. They're like a super cool kind of like band. I think they were about to, they're about to get an offer to go on tour with um, uh, a pretty big band. I can't remember um, the name of the band they were about to go on tour with, but they were like kind of up and coming. And the, the lead singer is the female. She invited a fan up on stage and she 
urinated on him. Like you laid down on the stage and urinated. Pause. What? Yeah, I swear to God, go look it up right now. Search like Brass Against Singer, uh, and and you can, there's like there was like a video that came out and everything. I have so and, many questions. Yeah, like who initiated that? Was she was he holding the sign pee on me or was she like you come here I'm gonna pee on you? <laughs> I think he was holding some sort of sign up that like got her got her to notice him from the crowd, and then I guess he she was just like I have to pee, and then he was like he was like pee in my, pee on me, and then like got down, and she was just like whatever we're doing this. It was like the at adrenaline. the end of the set, yeah, it was like at the end of the set, whatever, <laughs> and so like that just Holy happened, shit. and it was com- completely sensual, right? Like he was like he got up, he like went back out there, like he was not. <laughs> you know mad about it and everyone was just like what the just happened like (laughs) it was insane we're just listening to this like that that happened here today at this festival we're working holy shit dude um that's absurd wait did she just like drop her drawers and pop a squat was she like not wearing underwear we'll send you the link what what were the logistics (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's terrible where can i see it right like you want to know what's going on you can you can see it online, but I think she just like dropped, yeah, and then like walked off, and then like I'm pretty sure they like someone cleaned it up like right after because there was another band that had to come on. They had a set change. <laughs> yeah, it was like most bizarre. That's definitely the most, takes the cake for the most bizarre thing I've ever experienced <laughs> while working or or attending a show. <laughs> well, that is a good one. Holy shit! Wait, yeah, wait, what city was this in? Uh, Daytona, Florida. So Dude, it's taking so place at the Speedway down there. We're just gonna say this is now the second most bizarre story, I think that we've had from Daytona, Florida. I think the Deadlicks were oh, a band man. from Chicago. That <laughs> I, yeah, I think I this one's guys. probably a little more bizarre. It's a little than bit theirs, more bizarre. Though. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. More bizarre. All right, let me hear that. There's, uh, they just got it. <laughs> they they just were got- clouded and got tossed out, but they were one of the bands that was supposed to play. So they, they have the University of Dayton has this thing called Dayton at Daytona, and like they met at Dayton, and so they were supposed to play for it, but got kicked and out of there. They hotel. were clouding around at the hotel and got thrown out of their own concert. No. <laughs> but, uh, but they said apparently when they went back to Dayton after that, like they were known as the band that got thrown out so they had like hundreds of people just showing up and like fueled them dude it's legend i mean honestly that's like a huge press moment for the band i'm sure like that's probably awesome no (laughs) dude it's awesome they actually have a a record dropping tonight at midnight the deadlicks shout out to them i saw you guys were posting about that yeah i'll have to check it out you you like indie rock and this album so Spoiler alert, they let Spruce and I listen to it ahead of time. It is very Ooh. indie rock. Perks of the biz. If, Perks of the biz. The Perks of the I guess you could say it's our, our first <laughs> VIP feeling. <laughs> uh, but no, the album is really good. And oh, yeah. like based on some of the artists that you've been like mentioning, you would definitely dig it. Sweet. I'll have to, I'll take a listen. I probably won't be up until midnight tonight these days, but I will, I will listen tomorrow. <laughs> Love it. Well, Mike, man, I, I appreciate you coming on. And honestly, it's great to just touch base in general on a friend level, but yeah. it's love as well. Uh, I love hearing just your success and just everything that's uh, happening. So I very much appreciate you coming on. 
Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. It was it's it's nice to chat, reminisce a little bit too, and, and just good to see you're doing well, JJ and and Clep. After all these years, you're, you still made it. <laughs> absolutely. And at the end of the year, another spoiler alert: we are going to do an episode because, like I said, we asked that question about most bizarre thing you've seen in a show to every guest. And we are going to go through at the end of the year and sort of rank them. And I will be shocked if yours isn't <laughs> number one or very close to it. <laughs> oh my I love it. I love it. Well, there's a couple more months left in the year to, to see, get some more stories. So I yeah, hope you find some crazy ones. And more concerts <laughs> to be had. Yes, 100%. Love it, man. Well, shout out the music. Shout out to you, Mike. Mike Gavdi again, Absolutely. ladies and gentlemen, the Prime Social Group. Um, Mikey, we, we end every podcast. I, if you listen, I think you might know if you said you listen to Nirvana one with a nice little nay. So, but let's do a little sign out first. So, my name is Spruce. Right. I'm Clep. And I'm Mike. And this has been another episode of Vinyl, Vinyl Stallion. Stallion.